guys are barrels of fun. This is section 422. Welcome to the section 422 podcast episode number 69 It is Monday, August 3rd. Derek Van Riper here with Will Salmon on this episode. We will discuss Lorenzo Kane's decision to opt out of the 2020 season. Ryan Braun's move to the 10 day injured list and the postponement of the Brewers' entire weekend series with the Cardinals due to a team outbreak with the Cards. It's been a wild ride, Will, since we last spoke. We kind of looked ahead and talked about the Pirates series and the Cardinals series, assuming that you know we'd see uh, six games from the Brewers last week, and we got three, and then we got just a slew of news over the weekend. Well, it was a good thing, man, that we didn't go too in-depth with that Cardinals preview, right? I don't think we touched on them too much. I think we just left it at the Pirates for a little while. See, we had that we had, we had that foresight into into knowing what was going to happen. You know, we knew exactly what would happen over the weekend. So, no, it's been it's been crazy, man. I don't even know where to really start here. Um, I mean, we thought we were going to have we thought we were going to have a home opener, and we still haven't had it. Um, and I think Kane, yeah, like you said, it's a good place to start. I mean, that was the biggest name, right? The, I guess the Marlins, the guy who the Brewers traded to the Marlins was the first name to fall as far as opting out. Yeah, Isan Diaz. But Kane is the biggest name since the Marlins fall out, uh, since their outbreak and since the positive test for the Cardinals. Lorenzo Kane was the biggest name. Now he's joined by uh, Jonas Cespedes of the Mets uh, under weird circumstances there. But just with Kane, man, it, it was a little bit surprising. And it's interesting because I had asked Lorenzo like earlier during the shutdown, like, hey, man, you have the three kids everybody knows, right? You're married. You're really invested in your family as, as you should be. Like, why are you even deciding to play? Like, why not continue to enjoy the rest of the time that you have with your family and just start back again next year. And he was pretty adamant that he wants to give it a try, that he's in really good shape and he wanted to see what it was, what was going to happen. He felt like he sort of owed that much to the team. And that's what we hear from a lot of guys, right? Is that, you know, we want to do this for the other guys on the team. It's not just about myself. And and that's cool to hear, but yeah, we did not get the opportunity to, to speak with Lorenzo Kane. I don't think any reporter has. He sort of declined interview requests, but he did put out the statement. And yeah, man, it just, it just leaves the Brewers without one of their best hitters. It leaves them without their starting center fielder. And I think from here on out, you plug in Ben Gamble. I guess you hope for the best there. <laughs> you hope that he continues to hit. I don't know. It's it's definitely a void uh, not only on the field, but in, in that clubhouse too. I mean, he's a guy that people look up to for leadership for that matter. Yeah, and I think with Kane, a lot of us were expecting he was going to bounce back from a relatively disappointing season at the plate last year. He won a gold glove in center field, and uh, losing his defense alone creates the huge void, but you're right, it goes far beyond that. And you know, the early days of the season, he looked more like himself at the plate as well. And I think we've said this before, but I don't blame anybody who doesn't want to play right now. I mean, I think it's very clear as we've seen how things played out with the Marlins, the teams the Marlins had played recently. On Friday night, after the Brewers-Cardinals game was postponed, we had six out of 30 Major League teams not playing on a day when all 30 teams were supposed to play. 
that was pretty jarring to see, right? It's not because of rain or the usual things that cause games to be missed. It was because of the pandemic. It was because of outbreaks, because of concerns about the health and well-being of players. And I think the challenging thing for players with this entire thing is that they're used to playing through anything they can, anything they have to play through. It's just part of being an athlete, right? Your, your leg hurts, you play. Your shoulder hurts, you play. Your elbow hurts, you play. You feel sick, you play. That's just the nature of being an athlete really in any sport. And this is just different because it's not about toughness. It's not about how badly you want to be out there. It's about how safe do you really feel. And I, I actually am surprised more players didn't choose to opt out, that it was only three over the weekend that you mentioned, Cespedes, Isan Diaz, and Miami, and Kane. I thought more players were going to see just how widespread the Marlins situation was, which was just over half of their active roster that had contracted the virus. And people would have said, you know what? No, I'm out. I, I've got too much other stuff to worry about. I'm back next year. And maybe it is the camaraderie. Maybe it is the fact that you know, so many guys are, are just feeling like they owe it to someone to keep playing. But the truth is they don't owe it to anyone to keep playing. They have the right to not play. So no ill will towards Lorenzo Kane here. I mean, I, I hope the fan base welcomes him back with open arms when 2021 gets here. And I imagine they will. He's a popular player here and, and for good reason. Uh, but to kind of compound on this, uh, Ryan Braun was placed on the IL on Sunday with a finger infection. What's the story here? Is he dealing with this for longer than we've realized? Like, this seemed to really come out of nowhere. Yeah, it's definitely one of those injuries that I don't like to sort of play out in my head just because it looks and sounds nasty, uh, because he had the finger opened up when he went to the hospital recently. Um it's just a, it's a it's a gross. I feel like it's a gross situation. I'm, but it's it's something that's going to take him out for a few days. It looks like at least um, the decision was retroactive to the July thirtieth, so that gives them some time there. Um, but yeah, you're you're then kind of asking yourself, okay, well, when he comes back, is he also going to still want to play too? Because he's been day to day with that decision, as he said, and. We have not had the opportunity to talk to him since the Cardinals situation, and we don't know exactly how that's changed his mind, if at all. Um, right now, he's still on the team, and there hasn't been much talk yet about him opting out beyond his comments to us a few days back. But it's still definitely, I would say, lingering there. It's one of those huge issues. And we'll see when he comes back what uh, what the story is from his perspective. Um, Stearns, David Stearns said that uh, they would anticipate him coming back after the uh, 10-day IL stint, but we'll see, man. And it just leaves the Brewers in a weird situation just on the field with their lineup, too. Like, I was thinking about it before we started recording today, like what their lineup would look like versus like a left-handed pitcher at this point. You know, it's, it's a lot different than five or six days ago where you had – you know, Kane leading off and Braun somewhere in the middle. I don't know what they look like right now. I really don't. As you look at the depth chart and you think about Kane not being there, Braun not being there, and Yelich being in a slump, which, you know, will end eventually. Yelich is going to hit because that's what Yelich does. But maybe we'll touch on that a bit more in a minute. It is pretty jarring. This was a lineup that top to bottom with the Universal DH especially looked like it was very well constructed as the season began. It's just amazing. What a difference one week can actually make. Uh, but I imagine as you think about Braun not being available at least throughout this entire week, since that was a retroactive move, we're going to see a lot of Logan Morrison in the DH spot. The tough thing about their first uh, series 
after this layoff is that they have the White Sox, and the White Sox have three left-handed starters going over that four-game series. So it does kind of put the Brewers on their heels a little bit because the lineup, as far as what's left, is better constructed to handle right-handed pitching than it is to handle left-handed pitching. Yeah, 100%. That's almost exactly what I was getting at is that they were designed to handle both really well, and it it appeared that way through the first six games of the season because they were able to say, hey, okay, we got Eric Sogard leading off against right-handers. He'll he'll do his thing. He'll take a lot of pitches. He'll walk. He'll make contact. And then against lefties, we'll have Lorenzo Cain in there, and we'll start Jed Jericho at third base, and maybe that deepens the lineup a bit as far as uh, power in the middle goes, or just you know, it, it gives you some flexibility with lefty righty switches in the middle of a game too, which we saw. So you lose a little bit of that flexibility, I feel like too. Um, but man, like a lot's gonna fall on. The shoulders of, you know, just even more so Christian Yelich and Keston here, I feel like now. I mean, it, that, there's just no getting around that. And Keston was heating up. He was, he was hitting the long ball. He was, what like we always see him, going to right center field with his hits. But so much more now just falls on Christian Yelich, I feel like. Um, it always will, and that will never change. But now even more so. Uh, they're going to look to him in this series against the White Sox, which I liked. I'm I'm excited to watch the White Sox. I think they're a young team, great position players. But yeah, there's going to be a lot, even more so, um, on the shoulders of Christian Yelich heading into this week. Yeah, we'll get to see hashtag old friend Yasmani Grandal on the other side of that one uh, when the series begins on Monday night. Uh, thinking about some other ways they're going to have to make up ground offensively. I mean, I think Avisail Garcia and Omar Narvaez, the two big offseason acquisitions, they're going to have to step up and play larger roles as well. But yeah, if you're in the middle of a slump like Christian Yelich and you know you have Kane opt out and you have Braun go on the IL, it only adds to the pressure that he's already probably putting on himself to break out of it. And you wonder with Yelich too, if it's just kind of in his head, you know, he signed the big extension is he pressing a little bit, just trying to earn every dollar of that contract every time he swings the bat? Like It could easily be something like that. I don't know if he would ever even admit to that, but you always wonder when a player gets a new deal like that, how much are they just trying to earn it every single time they step out onto the field? Ultimately, I'm not concerned, Will. Like I know the numbers are bad, but it's a pretty small sample. Players go into slumps, even great players. And great players come out, and then they have a, a tear that's so good that you forgot that the slump ever happened. It's not. It's also not unheard of for him to go through something like this. I think that this is the worst that he's gone through, but it's not completely unheard of for him to struggle, have a one for twenty-five or a two for thirty or a three for thirty, whatever it was. Like that's happened before, and it's happened while he while he has been in a Brewers uniform. It's just happens sort of sandwiched in between 162 games in some random week in June or August or something like that where it's easy to forget about. Whereas this, it's the first handful of games in a 60-game season. And so it's obvious, everybody's watching it, and it's already 10% of the season. So you could look at it and say, okay, it's only been six games, but that six, those six games matter so much, as we know, and we, and as we've talked about. But man, I'm with you. I don't know if he'll ever say like, "Hey, I'm trying to earn the contract with every swing," but I think he will go as far as to say, "Hey, 
maybe I'm trying to do too much here. You know, that's a cliche that we always hear from athletes when things are not going great. But I think that that will be appropriate if he does say that. And we could all understand what he's trying to say there because some of his swings, it just looks as if he's trying to hit a a three-run home run with nobody on base. I mean, it's just he's missing pitches that Christian Yelich does not miss. And they're in the strike zone. Um, he's not chasing these crazy pitches. He's not looking terrible. He's just flat out missing the ball. And that's just not something that we're accustomed to seeing. So I would bet uh, a large amount of money that that will change very soon. Yeah, you have to wonder over the uh, three-game weekend that would have been, how much time was Yelich spending in the cage on the field taking BP? I mean, what was the team able to do over these last three days without games? Was it full workouts every day? What was the schedule like? Yeah, as far as I know, it was workouts every day. They're not in a situation where they had to be quarantined or self-isolating like other teams uh, that we've seen throughout this. Uh, they, they were able to kind of, I don't want to say stay sharp because they're not playing games. And this is, a, this is the kind of layoff that you have to worry about, I feel like, with athletes. I mean, especially baseball players where they're used to playing every single day. And now you have somebody like Brett Anderson, for instance. You're, you're telling this guy he's a starter on Friday, still hasn't, thro- has, still hasn't thrown a pitch. And he's now supposed to be the starter on Monday night against the White Sox. And so you don't know what impact that could have, especially for your pitchers. But as far as the team goes, there there have been workouts. There was a there was a workout on Saturday afternoon. Unfortunately, that was where bench coach Pat Murphy uh, suffered a moderate heart attack, and thankfully he's okay and he's resting comfortably, according to David Stearns, in ho- in the hospital, and he should make a full recovery. That's the prognosis right now. I don't know what that means in terms of his return to the bench. It's Pat Murphy, so I assume that one day he'll be back in the dugout uh, with with the Brewers. I'm not sure if it will be the 2020 season or not, but I'm just happy to hear that he's okay. Um, and it's just a wild set of circumstances there where you know he felt those symptoms while he was on the field in one of those workouts that we're talking about and alerted the staff. They called the ambulance, they arrive, and he gets rushed to the hospital and gets the care that he needs, again, thankfully. Um, so... Hope that we see him very soon, but I'm just happy that he's okay. Yeah, all the best to Pat Murphy as he uh, recovers from that heart attack over the weekend. I get the feeling we'd probably see him back next year, just given the unusual circumstances here in 2020. As far as the replacements go, you mentioned Ben Gamble basically taking over for Lorenzo Cain, at least against right-handed starters. The Brewers will add two players to the roster probably right after we finish recording. If we had to guess who those players are, I would assume that one of them is probably Keon Broxton because defensively he can at least play at a similar level to Lorenzo Cain. He can't hit like him, but we've seen power and speed from him in the past. We've seen him play great defense. So I think Keon Broxton may end up platooning with Ben Gamble, Will. I think that would actually make a lot of sense to at least bolster the Brewers' defense in center field on days where they don't like the lefty-lefty matchup for Gamble. Yeah, it could be. Um, one thing to note is that Brett Anderson was scheduled to come off the IL, and that uh, move has was never made official. And so that would take, you would think, a roster spot, right, on, on the active roster where you activate him. 
And Jacob Nottingham was brought up too, if you recall, and Bobby Wall was sent down. So do they keep uh, Jacob Nottingham there? Is Because he was brought up because Manny, Manny Pena was dealing with, uh, I believe it was a finger issue, if I remember correctly, off a foul tip. And so is is that going to stick for a little longer? I don't know, after the four or five days of inactivity as far as games go. And then... That still leaves you with, hey, we need another outfielder here, right? And I, I think it could be Broxton. Broxton's not on the 40-man. But, hey, by the way, no longer is Lorenzo Kane for that matter. So that, that gives you a spot right there to do that move. So I think that's possible. Some fans have sort of clamored for Corey Ray. I'm not sure if that's the move right now. Um, I think people are just excited because he's still a prospect and they want to see him sort of thing. But... I don't know about that. I think that Broxton is probably the safer move there. You know what you're getting from Keon Broxton. You outlined it perfectly, Derek. You're going to get the swing and miss, but you're also going to get terrific defense and some excellent speed. And he's a guy who's been there, done that at the major league level. Good energy, too, it seems. A guy that kind of lifts up people in the clubhouse and and on the field, too. So that might kind of help after just a horrible three-day stretch for the team. And as Corey Ray goes, I think we talked about him uh, when the alternate camp group was sort of put together two or so weeks ago now. He needs an opportunity to bounce back from a very difficult 2019 season. A lot of injuries last year for him at AAA. When he was on the field, the strikeout rate was almost 40%. You know, the power and speed that we've grown accustomed to seeing for him wasn't at quite the same level. And it was just a a brutal line, a 188, 261, 329 slash line in a year in which the offense in the PCL was off the charts because they were using the major league ball. So it, clearly he wasn't right physically, and there's absolutely a chance that he will now play for the Brewers this year. Whereas if everybody were healthy, if Kane hadn't opted out, that seemed like a very long shot scenario where really it was more about just getting reps in Appleton and coming back ready to go for 2021 for Corey Ray. So it's a very unusual set of circumstances, which I feel like I say every day uh, as I analyze baseball in this season. Let's take a really quick look at the series against the White Sox. You mentioned Brett Anderson still lined up to start the opener on Monday, and uh, it's going to be Brandon Woodruff on Tuesday, Adrian Hauser on Wednesday, and I see the old uh, TBA for Thursday. So, I mean, it could be Corbin Burns, it could be Freddie Peralta, it could be really anybody except for Anderson, Woodruff, and Hauser at this point. So uh, what's your lean as far as the final game of that series goes? Is it really kind of play it by ear because of how they might need the relievers sooner? Like Everybody's available because they just had three days off. Yeah, I mean, my gut sort of tells me maybe Eric Lauer just because of how much time has passed since his last outing how much you would assume that he's built up now if he's kept throwing. And I think that the move, if Anderson can't go more than three or four innings, would be to bring in Corbin Burns in that spot. But again, I'm not sure. Who knows, right? Who knows anything with this staff? Uh, So it could be Burns after, but if we don't see Burns, then I guess he's a candidate for that last spot in this series. And there's also Freddie Peralta. So TBA is, is the most appropriate answer, I guess. It's a very turbulent stretch, though, too, because you know you have Kane opting out, you have Braun on the IL, and now you have a game every day for 14 days, barring unforeseen circumstances. So it's going to be 
a quick sink or swim period for the Brewers. We're going to see how good the depth is, who is going to step up, who's going to emerge to possibly fill the void offensively, and who really establishes themselves as the back-end starters and the most prominently used relievers. Like All of those questions should be answered in the next couple of weeks, aside from four against the White Sox, two at, Mil- uh, two at Miller Park, two down in Chicago, three games at home against the Reds this weekend, uh, three-game series against the Twins to begin next week. Twins are obviously very good. And then a four-game set back at Wrigley. Now, seven games in against the Cubs at the end of next week already. It's hard to believe the schedule is playing out that way. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it, Will. I, I missed having the, the Brewers on over the weekend for sure. I watched some other games, and it's just not the same. I just... I, I, <laughs> I need to hear you. I need to hear BA. I need to listen to those guys. And it's just, it's gravity for me, especially this time of year. Yeah, man, I hear you. I, I was watching some Rays baseball, some random teams here and there. And it's just my level of concentration. I miss, I miss charting what I usually chart during games on my own. And it's just, you got to the swing of things and all of a sudden, boom, you have three, four days for nothing. And so you're, you're absolutely right, man. It's going to, it's going to be a critical stretch for the Brewers Yes, they can make up some ground with a softer September. You got a lot of off days in September. You got teams, I believe, like the Royals and Tigers that you could hopefully beat up on if you need to. But this is this is a critical, critical stretch for, for Milwaukee um, in the 60-game season. This is, this, is, this is big for them, and it's coming at a time where, like we talked about, you have a few days of just nothing going on, so you don't know what impact that will have on your team either. So... We'll find out. We'll find out very soon. Yeah, we'll know real quick if days off reset Christian Yelich and get him right, or if they only contribute to some of the struggles he's had at the plate. It also puts a little extra pressure on. The Cubs are 7-2. and two. They're off to an outstanding start. They're taking 2-3 or three from the Brewers in the opening series. They swept the Pirates over the weekend. Uh, feels like a lifetime ago that the Brewers had that ninth inning comeback against the Pirates, by the way. Already one of the best comebacks of the season league-wide. And it's old news as we record this on Monday because so much has changed since uh, you and I last spoke. That is going to wrap things up for this episode of Section 422. You can find Will on Twitter at Will Salmon. I'm at Derek Van Riper. Be sure to get that subscription to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash 422. Get 40% off the regular price. If you have questions you want us to get to in a future episode, please send those our way on Twitter. We're happy to take those questions on a future episode. And if you're enjoying this podcast on a platform like Apple Podcasts, where you can leave us a rating and review, please take a moment to do that. We really appreciate it. For Will Salmon, I'm Derek Van Riper. Thanks for listening. We're back with you next week from Section 422.